this past week I was in Ohio and I had the, the opportunity to hang out with this crowd. I, I know it's a grainy picture, but they're quality people. This is what that picture represents. That picture represents 44 new churches being planted in the United States. So can we make some noise for that? So when I, when I go to these events, uh, the CMN events or the Church Multiplication Network, it's an organization that's within our denomination, and, and that is our church planting arm. So, man, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for two things. One, for allowing me the opportunity to go pour into those teams as they plant churches. Listen, within those churches, there will be uh, individuals saved. There will be marriages that are restored. There will be prodigal sons and daughters that come home. It's everything that we exemplify as a church. It's someone did this for us and, and we have the opportunity to do that for them. And the second thing I want to say thank you for is for your giving. Through your tithe and through your kingdom builders, we're able to financially impact some of those teams. Now here's the cool thing. God writes some unique stories. One of the individuals that was at my table this past week, his name was Tyler, Tyler and Holly Still. If you back up 15 years ago, uh, I was roommates with Tyler Still in college and his RA at Southeastern University. It's like God knew what he was doing when he was writing the story. So I want to say thank you for that. The, the other highlight that we have um, is our men's retreat. Listen, our men's retreat is coming up. Make some noise for that. Fellas, you almost dropped the ball there. We have our men's retreat coming up. All right. don't, don't let the ladies outdo us. I need to learn how to whistle like that. Get my kids' attention. But hey, uh, you can scan that QR code. You can make that payment. Uh, $300 is two and a half days. All expenses, are, all, all things are included, however you're supposed to say that. All, your food's included. Your golf's included. Everything's included. So make sure you come hang out for that. And the last highlight that I have is tonight we have our worship night. 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Somebody nod at me. Yes, yeah, 6 p.m. Right here tonight. So we are excited about that. Um, it's going to be a time that we just step in, take communion together, worship together. It's going to be about 6 to 7, 7, 30, 8, midnight, whatever. Like, we'll, we'll figure it out. You just leave when you need to leave. But we've been in this series talking about our impact on society and culture. We, we've talked about how the church is supposed to respond to society and culture. And we're, we're experiencing war at the gates, what we've been talking about the past eight weeks with family and business and, and government and health and wellness and all of these different things. But church, it's my greatest responsibility and it's our greatest responsibility to speak biblical truth. I want to approach something with a sensitive heart this morning as we start our service, but think about the Roe v. Wade decision this past week. Let me give you, before, whoa, 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 before you clap, before you clap, let, let, let's get real and raw. So let me give you a biblical take on it and the church's take on it. As a church with deeply rooted biblical beliefs, we're grateful to the Supreme Court of the United States and the decision to reverse Roe v. Wade. And I, I know this decision weighs heavy on many people, but we have to remain steadfast in biblical values and principles. Th this is what I believe. I believe that all women and all children matter. But as a church, we have to be committed to a holistic pro-life approach. Listen, church, we can't say that we're pro-life and turn a blind eye to the reversal of the fullness of the decision of Roe v. Wade. This means helping mothers. This means adoptions. This means foster care. This means those in vulnerable situations. If this is truly what we want as a global church, then what are we as a church going to do about the reversal? One person wrote it this way, I'm not ready to cheer in the streets just yet. 
If this is what we want, then what is the church going to do about it? Now, I have to be very personal with you this morning. What are we as Multiply Church going to do about it? Are we going to provide resources and housing and food and shelter and safety? Are we going to be pro the lives that have just been legislated into existence? The answer has to unequivocally be yes. This is what I've seen this past week. There's too much callous judgment. What, what about the women who are hurting right now? What about the women who are being judged for the choices that led to their pregnancy? What about the women who didn't choose to have sex? What about the women who had been raped? What about the ones who are terrified and don't know where to turn? What steps are we as a church truly going to take? How will we act? Our initial response as Multiply Church is partnering with organizations like Gate Pregnancy Center and Compassion. Because overturning Roe v. Wade is only the beginning, and as a body of Christ, we can't have it both ways. Acting isn't just posting your stance on social media. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. If we truly believe the word of God, then how do we follow that scripture? What I know is this, if we're going to build a culture that truly upholds the sanctity of all life, then we have to stop talking about it and act. This is what I know. There may be accidental pregnancies, but there are absolutely no accidental children. We must have empathy. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Regardless of your stance, we can't gloat over opposing views Because millions of women and children will feel hopeless and helpless. And as the church, we have to point them to the hope of Jesus. That's how we respond. Listen, God has given us gate-level authority, gate-level influence, and gate-level victory. It's what we've been talking about the past eight weeks. Authority is given from heaven and influence is how you operate in that authority on earth. And we can only experience victory past our self-doubt. This morning, I want to talk to you about gate-level praise. What does it look like to step into the presence of God with praise and thanksgiving? Psalm chapter 100 verse 4 says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Because what I've learned over the past two months is that gates represent a position of authority and influence. And how, I've been asking myself this question, how do you get to that position of authority and influence and victory? And what I'm learning is this, how you enter matters. How you walk through the gates matters. How you walk into a conversation matters. How you walk into your home matters. How you walk into work matters. How you approach life matters. I'll put it to you this way. I could come home from having a rough day at work. I could come home from having conversations I didn't want to have or, or, or dealing with, with stuff in individuals' lives or stuff in my own life, and I can approach life one of two ways. I can pull up to my house in my truck, I can turn my music down, I can open the door and walk through the house, and I can either A, kiss my wife, pick up my girl, spin them around, get in the floor and play with them, and leave that nonsense in the truck, or I can walk into the house and go straight to my room, shut the door, and not communicate to my family at all. How I enter my house matters, and I promise you that night will go one of two ways. 
Some of y'all will get that in about 15 minutes and you'll laugh. <laughs> but how I enter my house matters. The rest of the night is always determined by how I enter the house when I get home. Same thing goes when you walk into work. And some of y'all walk in on Monday morning. Thank you. I'm moping around. I guess I'm going to go get my coffee. It's like, you're, like, like you've embodied Eeyore on Monday morning. Like, I don't know. But you get your coffee at work, and you don't want to talk to anybody, and you go to your desk, and you sit down. First thing you do is you put on your headphones, and you act like you're listening to something, but you're not. <laughs> you just have the headphones on, you're working at your desk. And the rest of your day is going to go one of two ways. Now, if you walked in, your chest is held high. Man, hey, good morning. How's everybody doing today? And, and you bring joy and excitement in the room. Your work day will go one of two ways because how you enter matters. And, and sometimes we can enter God's presence or the church or a situation according to the circumstances of the day. We can enter God's presence according to our feelings or our emotions, or how well we slept or didn't sleep that night, how early the kids woke up, or what the weather is like that day, or what's on your calendar, which causes you to enter God's presence with worry, concern, and stress opposed to thanksgiving and praise. Literally, the weather changes absolutely every single day in your life. And I mean quite literally living in North Carolina. Like, y'all know what I'm talking about. We have four winters. We have three different falls, we have three springs, and evidently we have summer months that the temperatures rival the gates of hell. Like, I don't, I don't know what's been going on the past two weeks. My brother-in-law, Keith and Malia, they moved, they moved in. And when they moved in, it was that week of like 100 degrees every single day, and he's like, dear God, I moved down from New York for this? <laughs> like, I'm like, Keith, I don't know what's going on. Heat wave, something's going on. It's not usually like this. But one day in North Carolina, it can be 100 degrees. The next day in North Carolina, it can be 50 degrees. And you don't know how to live your life. And I feel like that's how we approach God sometimes. Man, one day you're on the highest of highs. And the next day you're on the lowest of lows. I don't know if you've found this out, but you can't always control the weather. And you sure as heck can't predict the weather. And I'm not just talking about you and me. I'm talking about the experts, if you're a meteorologist in the room, I'm sorry, but what in the literal heck? Like, I swear you determine the weather by putting on a blindfold and throwing a dart at the dartboard, or you got that little paper mache thing in fifth grade. It's like, what, what's the weather going to, what's today? Sunday, S-U-N-D-A-Y. What's your favorite color? B-L-U-E. Like, and that's how you determine, like, that's how you determine the weather. Listen, you and I have picked the wrong profession because meteorologists, they can always be wrong. They can always do their job poorly, and they still have a job the next day. Like you and I go into work and we mess up. It's like, all right, see you later. Go find another one. If the pastoring and preaching thing goes wrong, I'm going to be a meteorologist because I, be, I can always be wrong. But, but this is what I'm starting to see with people far too often. It is that too often we live under the weather of the circumstances of the day. What did social media say? What did the news say? Who liked my post or didn't like my post? Who agrees with me or disagrees with me? We start and end and change our mood according to the weather that we experience. L listen, I I'm guilty of it. L let me prove it to you. Where's my, raise your hand. Where's my college football fans? 
All right, we got a few. All right, I need you to help me out this morning. So we got some college football fans in the room. College football, any pro fans in the room? I mean, just sports fans in general? Okay, there we go. Uh, but we, we, have, we have a lot of stuff going on, and I, I was really hoping Brian King would be here today, uh, but he's in Springfield, Missouri, doing some missionary work. And uh, I, I, we'll start out with the Big Ten, I guess. Um, they think they're like the perennial powerhouse. But, but where, where's my Ohio State fans? Let's try this out. OH. Good Lord. All right. Oh, that felt nasty. Uh, where, where's my Michigan fans? Go big. Like, there might be like people just said, I'm not going to ever sit beside them again. Where, is Keith in here? I know he's walking around. Pastor Keith, I think he's there. He is. But Keith, we got some work to do uh, because we have Ohio State and Michigan. And, and you're a huge Nebraska fan. So where's my Cornhusker fans? <laughs> We've got, we've got, we've got one. We've got one. All right, we're in North Carolina, so where's my ACC fans? All right, wow, making some noise, making some noise. I'm married into NC State, so where's my Wolfpack fans? Go Pack. That's what I'm talking about. All right, um, let's talk to the school, the two schools that think they're the only schools in North Carolina. Uh, Where, where's my Duke fans? Not a few. All right, here we go. I got to do it. Where's my UNC fans? Hey, I have a quick question. What does it feel like to not be the real Carolina anymore? Because South Carolina, South Carolina, they beat you in every sport but basketball last year. So where's my SEC fans? So here, here's the deal. We all know, we all know that everyone else is just playing second fiddle to the SEC. We know that you're playing second fiddle to try to be like the second best conference because, because the SEC is the best conference. Right, SEC, make some noise one more time. If you, if you don't agree with me, make some noise. Listen, you don't even, you're not even cheering for your own conference. Everybody knows. Like, the SEC is, is the best conference. But, but I know this was in jest and for fun, but when I mentioned your team, your mood changed. When I mentioned the team that you don't cheer for, your mood changed. Again, it was in just in for fun, but, but back in the day, my mood on Sunday was directly affected by how the game Cocks played on Saturday. And then my mood on Monday was directly affected by how the Panthers played on Sunday. And if you know anything about those two things, two, those two teams, I lived miserably <laughs> until I had to change either one, change teams, or two. Or two like, I just had to realize that my teams aren't that great. Good Lord, could you please find the Panthers a good quarterback? Amen. <laughs> but I would enter the day in this mood that was all based on the weather of my circumstances. And what I'm learning is how you enter your day matters. Zach, you've said that statement 15 times. I'm probably going to say it about 15 more because some of you don't get it unless I say it 30 times. But, but let me say it another way. How you enter sets the course for the rest of your day. Psalm 100, verse 4, let me read it again. Enter his gates with what? With thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Begin to ask yourself those questions. What if, what if you could enter his courts with thanksgiving? What if you could truly enter his gates with praise? What if praise could set the tone for your entire day? Because what we do, I mean, I'm guilty of it. What we do, we jump on our phone, we open our email, we open social media, we open the task list, and that sets the tone for our day, opposed to starting with thanksgiving and praise. Opposed to starting 
with Jesus, my days are better when I start with thanksgiving and praise. My days are better when I start with scripture. My conversations are better when I start with scripture. I don't start with Zach Witt's opinion anymore. I start with Jesus. Uh, you've probably heard this said on social media, but if you want me to give you my opinion on your situation and you don't want to hear the name of Jesus, don't tell me about your situation. Because the first thing that I'm going to do is talk about Jesus. The first thing that I'm going to do is go to scripture because I don't see a clause in scripture that says as long as everything is going good, then enter with praise. I don't see a clause in scripture that says as long as people are nice to you and agree with you, enter with praise. I don't see a clause in scripture that says as long as you didn't spill coffee on your shirt this morning and didn't have to change, then enter with thanksgiving and praise. No, what I see is enter with thanksgiving and enter with praise. It's the first thing that I do. Why? Because how you enter your day matters. There's been some studies around rituals and how they affect certain aspects of individuals' lives. And I want to read you one of those studies. More and more studies are showing the power of ritual effects and, uh, of positive change in your life. Take dieting, for example. This was the experiment. There was a five-day experiment. Half the people were told that when they were getting ready to eat, that they had to cut their food into several pieces. They had to orchestrate it in a certain pattern on their plate. And then they had to tap the table three times before they took a bite. The other group, they were told, hey, just be cautious about what you eat. The individuals that had the ritual, that had to cut the food and rearrange it and tap the table... They ate 224 less calories per day. Over the course of a year, that's 81,760 different calories, which is the equivalent of 24 pounds. That's the new weight loss program. Just start cutting your food, rearranging it, and tapping the table three <laughs> times before you eat. Similar results were found when health-conscious people were tempted with chocolate versus carrots. Those who performed a ritual knocking the table or closing their eyes or whew, taking a deep breath before they took a bite were 25% more likely to choose carrots. They chose carrots over cake because they took the time to think. That absolutely blows my mind. But they took it a step further. There were links between faith and decreased anxiety that can be seen at a neurological level. Research, this is the research, I'm just reading the research. Researchers show that belief claims activity in the anterior cingulate cortex or the ACC, a part of the brain we might associate with the alarm bell experience. When we feel annoyed or threatened, certain patterns of activity in the ACC intensify. And these are the same patterns that ramp up in people suffering from anxiety disorders that are often reduced by Xanax and Valiums. Now, here's the thing. In the study, in the research, the individuals that thought about God actually became calmer. Quite literally, regardless, regardless of what their experience of faith was, when they started thinking about God, their anxiety reduced. Their depression reduced. When they focused on God... Everything else leveled out. Here's a modest concept. It's almost like God knew what he was doing when he created us. It's almost like he knew what he was doing when he knit us 
together. I could read more about the research, but, but what I want to focus on is entering his gates with thanksgiving and entering his courts with praise. Like, Zach, man, the, the band's up. band's up kind of quick today. Like, what, what's going on? Listen, as a church, you hear me say it all the time. We're not going to talk about it. We're going to be about it. What does it truly mean to enter his courts with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise? Psalm 103 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Let me give you a little historical context. What is, what's David picturing when he's pinning these words? What was David thinking about when he's writing? Is he thinking about his pilgrimage to Jerusalem? Is he thinking about being in the inner courts? Is he thinking about worshiping God for who he is? Who, who's, David, who's David talking to? Entering his gates. David's talking to God. But I would venture to say that he's also talking to himself. Because who's entering the gates? David is. Whose gates is he entering? He's entering the gates of God. Like, what are you talking about? Is David talking to himself? Yeah, we established two weeks ago that we all talk to ourselves. All of us have had negative self-talk at some point in our life. And what David is reminding us is that we have to shift from that negative self-talk to thanksgiving and praise. What David is reminding us is that regardless of how far you feel like you are from God, how many mistakes you feel like you've made, it's what we talked about during worship. You can never outrun the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God. But when you experience that love and that grace and the forgiveness, it's not your excuse to stay the same, but it's to turn and give thanksgiving and praise so that your life might change as you walk into the gates. What does it truly mean to enter with thanksgiving and with praise? Because David, Scripture blows my mind sometimes. Because David had all the circumstances in the world that would pull him down. You're like, but I thought David was a king. He was, but let's follow his story. Remember back to the very beginning. He had a dad that didn't even want him. The prophet comes to Jesse and he says, Hey, Jesse, get all your boys. He lines them all up. He left David in the field with the sheep. The prophet was very clear, get them all. But his dad left him in the field. Some of you in the room feel like you've been left in the field. Some of you in the room feel like you've been forgotten about. He'd been left by his dad. His brother spoke negatively against him. A giant was taunting him. A boss, his boss wanted to kill him. Saul wanted to kill him. His wife walked out on him. You didn't read that far in David's story, did you? His son tried to overthrow him when he was king. He had every excuse in the world to run from God. And he's the one that says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He's the one that wrote in Psalm 100 verse 4 to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. What in the world are you talking about? How can I do that? Listen enter with praise because how you enter matters here's the thing you have to recognize whose gates 
you're entering. David just writes, enter his gates. Well, who's him? Who is he? He is God. It's not about the gates you're entering. It's about the personhood and the presence that you're stepping into. Why do we enter with thanksgiving and praise? Not because of our situation, not because of the gate, but it's because we're entering into the presence of God Almighty himself. Listen, throughout scripture, God has given different names. He's given different Hebrew names. He's recognized by different things. I'll give it to you in a, in a context. Uh, we, we have people in our life and we know them by many different names because they have nicknames. I'll, I'll pick out one person in the room. Everybody knows Stephen. Some of you are like, I don't know who Stephen is. He did work, or he did worship. He didn't do worship. Like, Can you sing? Cannot sing. He did offering this morning. If I throw out the name Stephen, you're like, I don't know who Stephen is. But if I say coach, some of you are like, oh, I know, I know who coach is. If you're at the gym and I throw out Steve-O, some of y'all, some of y'all know who Steve-O is. If I throw out Big Sexy, everybody knows who he is. If I throw out The Rock's cousin, you probably know who he is. But he's got, he's got, all, these, he's got all these nicknames. He's known by different names. God is known by different names in Scripture. So when we walk into his presence, we walk into the presence of someone who covers different situations. For example, he's called El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. If you go back to the original Hebrew, all these different names, El Elon, he's the Most High God. El Olam, he's everlasting God. He's Adonai, he's Lord and Master. He's Yahweh, which simply means I am. He's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. He's Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. Jehovah Shema, the Lord who is there. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. Jehovah Shalom, he is the Lord, my Prince of Peace. How you enter matters because you're entering into the presence of God. And when you recognize his presence, you truly recognize his power. And today we learn to live by entering his presence, not by the weather of our circumstances, but because of whose presence we're entering. It's an, if someone's not feeling well, they, they say it like this. They say, I feel like I'm a bit under the weather. Anybody ever used that terminology before? I mean, I just feel like I'm, feel like I'm under the weather a little bit. I want to I wanna read something to you. There's four weather options, all sunny, partly sunny, cloudy, and stormy. How do you associate that with your life? For me, for me, all sunny is when I'm on vacation. For me, all sunny is when somebody else is making my coffee in the morning. For me, all sunny is when nobody's texting me or calling me or asking me to fix a situation. How many people have been on a vacation this summer? That, that's all sunny. You went on vacation, like, man, I got, I got to relax. Part, partly sunny is this. You had a good day at work. Man, school was good. You had a good lunch with a friend, but you're still experiencing life and work. Cloudy. Cloudy is when things are looming on the horizon. Cloudy, cloudy are when things are occupying your mental space. Cloudy is when you know you have a relationship that you need to mend. Cloudy is when you have decisions and situations in your life that you have to approach. And then you have stormy. And stormy is when the bills are piling up, a bad doctor's report. Can I be real with you? Can I be real? This, this was stormy for me. Stormy. I was in Ohio, and I'm thinking, man, this is, this is sunny. 
Like, I'm, get, I, I'm sitting at tables with church planners. Lives are going to be changed. Y'all ever notice how, like, how things can just change? I told you about North Carolina. Florida's the same way. Everybody lived in Florida. It's like every day you can set your clock by. It's going to rain between 4 and 5 every day in Florida. It changes on a dime. This past week, I was coaching those teams. I get a phone call from my mom. I answer, hey, mom, what's up? Um, I'm okay. What, well, what's going, going on? Well, hey, here's the good news. I, didn't, I, didn't, I haven't used drugs. And that, hey, that's a win. That's a win. But I got something to tell you. All right, what's going on, mom? Well, I was... She kind of beat around the bush a little bit. Ah, well, I was at work, and girl that I know, like, she, she needed a ride to somebody's house, so I decided to take her to the house. I'm like, all right, as well. I knew I shouldn't have gone in. I knew I, knew I shouldn't have gone in. Well, Mom, what happened? Well, I didn't use drugs. All right, that's good. Let's get to the point. Like, what, what happened? Well, I, I went inside. There was a guy in there. Man, I've never seen so much hate in somebody's eyes in my entire life. They got into a conversation, and my mom went to pick her stuff up and leave and get out of there as fast as she could. And she turns around, and she gets hit in the head with a hatchet, and her skull was split open. My, my life went from sunny to stormy like that. In my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to call a few boys. We're rolling to South Carolina, no questions asked, and we're taking care of business drop of a dime now here's the blessing my mom's okay she's good she's coherent everything's fine they've taken care of the guy thank God but you ever feel that way in your life that, that you're living the highest of highs and then it switches how do you continue to enter with thanksgiving and praise when, when things like that happen in your life let me read Psalm 103 verse 5 who crowns you with everlasting love mercy remember David's still writing who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles there's two pictures in this stanza that I think are really important where where would someone be crowned they would be crowned in the presence of a king or a queen so when David's writing this He's talking about being crowned. He's talking about being in the presence of a king or in the presence of God in the throne room. So that means that someone has to enter the gates of the courts of the king. The second word picture that we see in this stanza is like the eagles. What do eagles do during bad weather? Anybody know? They fly above the storm. They elevate themselves above the clouds. Anybody ever been on an airplane during, uh, during some weather. I think they got a video they're going to play. It's like you're on, you're on the airplane. Man, it's raining. It's bad. And it's turbulent. It's windy. It's rough. Y'all ever feel that way when you walk through these doors? See, I think sometimes I can like talk about, oh, when you walk through the doors. But then I step off stage and it's like, man, I, I, can I sit here for a second? Because as much as I stand up there, man, I walk in the doors just like everyone in here. And I walk through life sometimes and it's cloudy and it's turbulent 
and it's raining and I don't know where God is and, and I as a pastor can talk about thanksgiving and praise and I can talk about things that, that push us closer to God but the reality of it is I've got family members who are dealing with stuff I've got life situations that are going on and just because I carry the title of a pastor doesn't exempt me from going through experiences like this I gotta remind myself we have to remind ourselves that it's okay to go through turbulence. It's okay to go through clouds. It's okay to go through hard weather. It's okay to go through rain. It's okay to not know what God is doing in your life day in and day out. Because inevitably, you'll be like the eagles and you'll fly above the clouds. You'll fly above the storm. But you have to always have your face fixed on God. You have to always enter with thanksgiving and praise. I don't care what you're experiencing. I don't care what you experienced when you were in your car before you got out of your door. When you walk into this place, when you recognize that God is right beside you, you can enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. And all across this room, I'm going to challenge you to stand. And I'm going to challenge you to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm going to challenge you to worship God, to enter his presence right now with thanksgiving. of God. We can't enter the gates of God. We can't enter the courts of God because we don't know the password. We don't know the code. We don't have the key. It's like, man, Zach, the gates have always been locked for me. Can I remind you that the gates are wide open? The gates are flung wide open that when Jesus was crucified on the cross, when he was placed in the tomb, when he rose from the dead, when he conquered hell, death, and the grave, the gates were flung open wide. 
Maybe you're in this room today and you recognize for the first time in your entire life who God really is. We believe at Multiply Church that the most important decision you could ever make in your entire life is to make a personal decision to step into a relationship with Jesus. Doesn't mean life's going to be perfect, doesn't mean life's going to be easy, but it means that you recognize that you are broken, you are a sinner, you are far away from God. Listen, I'm still a sinner, I'm still broken, but I know that God chases after me every single day. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to call you up front, but I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand so that we can say a prayer collectively together. On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. If that's you all across this room, go ahead and slip those hands up. If that's you. Awesome. We can slip those hands right back down. And then if we could say this prayer collectively, could we say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, listen, uh, Scripture says that when someone accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that heaven erupts, that they throw a party. And this is what I know, because one person accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, heaven is rejoicing right now. So can we make some noise for those individuals who stepped into a relationship with Jesus? Church, this is what, this is what I want to tell you. We are committed to expanding the kingdom of God one person at a time. We are going to steward well what God has given us. We're going to kick the enemy in the teeth. And when you walk outside of these doors, my challenge for you is to truly love Jesus and change the world. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.